catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. The best time to support an MSME, if you've been thinking about it for a while, is today. Yes, every day we talk about micro, small and medium-sized enterprises. It's a reminder that 80% of all the jobs on the continent depend on them and just about half of our gdp if not more than that is because of these guys yes so if this is actually the case it means that we need to focus on them and we need to be able to achieve the sustainable development goals through them we can promote innovation creativity and decent work for everyone How far have we gone or how far have we come with these? What lessons have we learned and what still needs to be done? I'm joined by three wonderful experts, you know, people who have dealt with SMEs, MSMEs, businesses. And first on the list is Iriayomide Oladunjoe, the Managing Director and CEO of Endeavor Nigeria. And I also have with me Dion Malherbe. I hope I said her name right, but I'll ask her anyways. She's the Honorary Director General on the continent for Global Council for the Promotion of International Trade. And I also have Dr. Herbert Ntowo. I'm the Honorary Director General also on the continent for Global Alliance for Sustainable Media and Publishing promoted by Global Council for the Promotion of International Trade. Hi, good uh, morning. Good day, wherever you're listening in from. Ira Yumi, how are you doing? Uh, let's start with how you're doing first off before we move on to other things. Thank you, Anthony. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I'm well. We're talking businesses, small, micro, medium, size, whatever. And also we have Dion on the call. Dion, I hope I said your name right. You, you pronounced it perfectly, Anthony. Thank you. Okay, that's a good boost for the day. Yes, yes, I did it right. It's <laughs> a good start. Yep, it is always. And Herbert, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great, Anthony. Thanks for asking. I hope you're doing good. Good morning, everybody on the panel. Mm, thank you very much. We're all good and I'm excited. The year 2020 remains a defining year in the world When we're describing events and happenings, you know, COVID-19, how have MSMEs, you know, fared from COVID-19 and its effect? I would want to start with Dr. Herbert and then move around Dion and Irayo. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon to those in different parts of the world. I I think, um, Anthony, as you speak, and spoke of um, the impact of COVID-19 um, in 2020. I think it was quite devastating in the sense of uh, micro, small and medium enterprises. Um, these, these are, as you said rightly in your introduction, these are according to not just confined to Africa, but I think globally, these are the businesses or business people that are contributing much to the GDP of many African countries and many uh, developing countries. And when COVID-19 came, I think they were the ones or they are the ones that really suffered much loss um, because it's, it's, it's a pandemic that came, no prediction, nobody anticipating it. And um, you look at the manufacturing industry, you look at the food industry, you look at the tourism industry, 
they were literally affected because there was a time flights were cancelled normal tourism there was a time also when food food courts were literally closed uh for 24 hours i remember in south africa there were there was a time they were literally closed and you look at these um micro small and medium enterprises they are employing a huge chunk of the population and um in some it meant that they were going on either a third salary either others were no not on salary anymore because there was no income being generated these are industries that literally survive on cash cash generated almost every day so the impact hit them hard in the sense there was no production and um, there was no business uh, people literally were confined into their houses so it was it was quite devastating and we're still in the recovery process of um, of the impact of covid 19. Thank you very much. Um, very apt. Dion, have we recovered? Have SMEs and MSMEs recovered from COVID-19 yet on the continent? No, I, I think that's such an important question. If you hear a slight crackle in my voice, it's because my post-COVID lungs will never be the same again. you <laughs> um, getting sick so often from pneumonia. But I think for me, I found COVID really interesting watching, observing, and obviously personally experiencing how it impacted us as a business. We, um, in 10 days after going into lockdown in South Africa, within 10 days, we had lost 90% of our turnover. And we were a business at that point who had already been in business for 20 odd years. So it was devastating for many businesses. But, but I tell you what I observed, Anthony, which I think is such an important observation is to say how does the external market influence us as SMEs and I do think that SMEs realize that they're probably more resilient than their large corporate counterparts and it is easier for us to be agile and adjust than it is for big business and and therein lies the value that sits in having a large SME ecosystem but I, I think that there were businesses that failed during COVID But similarly, there were corporate individuals who for years had a passion, let's say, for example, of opening a restaurant and didn't have the guts or the courage to leave their corporate comfort zone and go and do it. And because they were retrenched during COVID, um, they were kind of forced. And for the first time, they could set up that restaurant business they were passionate about and buy the product cheap. So... You know, one man's poison is another man's medicine. I I think that there was an interesting shift in the ecosystem of who is an SME and and what the makeup of the SME market was. And I think that we reestablished what the definition of an employee was during COVID. So whereas pre-COVID, everybody wanted that big, cushy corporate job and it was difficult for SMEs to hire. Now a lot of people want more flexibility and they want less structure. And so in actual fact, it's been a positive for many SMEs to be able to recruit quality people on different type of employment contracts and um, and to have opportunities for growth that possibly didn't exist before. So, so I do think there's been some recovery, but possibly not recovery of the SMEs that existed, but a shift in the dynamic and the SME market. Thank you. Iriayo, should we really still be referencing COVID and the year 2020 when 
you know we talk about msmes smes entrepreneurs and businesses i'll say yes we should even though we've got you know we got a date where it said the covid pandemic was over but i'll say there's one thing that has remained constant since march 2020 is that low income people in emerging markets such as nigeria are still dealing with extreme challenges and major disruptions to their livelihoods just like dion said like while business you know closures have declined since the pandemic peak and msmes are employing more people recovering areas such as you know household resilience and coping strategies have you know have not brought things back to the pre-pandemic levels and has not kept pace with the recovery in developed markets however i'd say that businesses msmes are, are innovative they you know they they're showing their resilience to you know the changes um even even in the corporate world how we work has changed how we handle things have changed um sp- speaking specifically to nigeria nigeria's economy was fragile before the you know pandemic her economy had not fully recovered from the 2014 2016 economic um recession but MSMEs are faring well. Yes, some are dying, but like you said, some you know people that haven't that hadn't went able to explore their dreams and aspirations in terms of being business owners have done that. Should we refer to it? Yes, because it still hasn't. It's still like the ripple effect of the COVID pandemic is still evident in MSMEs. Okay, um, Dr. Herbert, I see your hand, but um, Ira, you're just um, to continue in that line of thought before we get back to Dr. Herbert. How do you think female-led, you know, small businesses, MSMEs have fared? I want to be particular about female-led MSMEs. I'm um, so far speaking to female-owned businesses. Like, obviously, I don't have any data to back this, but I'll say in terms of how they fared with the MSMEs um, with the pandemic. But women entrepreneurs make significant contributions to their economies in many developed economies, as well as you know the developing um, countries. Women are starting businesses at a faster rate than men are. This is evident in in the United States. This is evident in Canada. This is also evident in the developing countries. So you you said how do I think they're faring? I'll say that's pretty much what I think. Entrepreneurship, or you know, it provides another means to generate income and reduce inequalities among men and women. And women are taking on this by you know owning their businesses, ensuring their businesses are re- resilient, and being agile to what the you know the economic environment is to ensure that they they they're sustained. Mm. Okay. And Dr. Herbert, you, your hand is up. So let's take a one minute of reaction before we move on. I just wanted to to agree with both uh, Dion and Irai. Whoever you asked about the the impact of um, of COVID, I mean, I can look at it just from what um, Dion was saying. I think another good aspect we will always be referring to COVID. 19 but the other good aspect that i think uh, Dion touched on was uh, i realized it was a wake up call covid 19 was a wake up call and um people who were used to going to work and um, just making sure at the end of the month the salary is taken care of woke up and they found out they had no jobs so it brought it brought in an aspect of survival and creativity that's why um, as as Iraya said i think we, we need to be at a position of understanding and realizing that um supporting smes globally has been not as much as it should be but covid-19 brought the realization that at least people 
now need to be able to, to be captains of their own finances, to take care of how to manage and to budget your finances. I can give an example. If suppose I give ESCOM as a company, suppose it retrenched people during COVID. You must be able to realize most of the people who are being who are retrenched in these or small or big companies are probably in terms of financial handling because they are not SMEs, they are not medium, small, medium enterprises. Because when you are your own founder and captain of your company the way you judiciously handle the finances is different when you are working for the department of education you know your salary is coming whether you perform and you don't perform that's why i strongly believe if our african governments and governments in developing countries can realize how much SMEs can contribute to the development of the economies. It would really go a long way especially like what iraya said i think women have been marginalized but if you look at people who are really plowing through businesses and bringing in income and creating employment. It's women-led organizations or women-led companies or women-led small medium enterprises. That's what I wanted to say on that one. Thank you very much for your thoughts. Dion, how do we increase support for women-owned MSMEs? And what do we need yeah, to do in that regard? I mean... I think, Anthony, there's three things we need to focus on. And, you, you know, generally when we talk SMMEs, we focus on short-term kind of interventions or we label a program, a women program, and it's short and sweet. And we kind of applaud that effort. But under, fundamentally, I think that there are flaws in the regulation, the policy, and the support provided for SMMEs. There, there, there needs to be two focus areas. One is at the most intrinsic level of society, are we making sure that we're exposing our girl children to the notion that they are equal members of society and that they too can have dreams and aspirations and meaningfully participate in every level and, and, and providing them with that access to the economy through the quality of education and the removal of discrimination at that grassroots level as children. Once we start to enter into education, we need to then say, how do our education policies across Africa include entrepreneurship as an important learning dynamic and an important learning outcome so that coming out of schools and universities, the fundamentals of entrepreneurship are as important as STEM. They're not more important, but they're as important so that we're building resilience at the most fundamental level. And then as an enabler for SMME development, there needs to be two focus areas. We focus a lot on saying, let's make sure that we create an environment for people to start up new businesses. We focus a lot on the dialogue of ideation but not as much on the notion of growth. So Africa will grow through agriculture, it will grow through oil and gas, it will go, grow through a consumer, a new consumer market, which is unique to the African continent, but it will also grow through the incredible weather and environment and land we have, which supports the global move towards renewables. Are we making sure that the existing entrepreneurs, the natural entrepreneurs, the ones that have got great ideas and innovation and invention are supported in growth in order to access those strategic opportunities across the continent? Or will SMMEs forever be sitting 
as tiny little enterprises, micro enterprises, just trying to struggle to get out of the ideation level. So that really requires a strategic and fundamental policy shift. Interesting. Irayo, do you have any thoughts to share on this too? Um, thank you so much for that, Anthony. I, I, I would say I fully agree with what Dion said, the necessity of the promotion of an, an enterprise culture with, within, with women um, and the adoption of measures that you know would ease the burden of them actually starting businesses. Um, access to finance is also a problem for, for female um, entrepreneurs as well, is what I would say. The condition of consultation with, you know, women founders, you know, the women, the community of women and making sure that they know what is available to them is necessary as well. Absolutely. I think, sorry, if I can add to that, Mm -hmm. um, which is such a good point about access to finance, is that by and large on the African continent, it is the women members in a household who own no assets or they require their husband's approval in order to apply for finance. And and, and there's a severe limitation there, just in respect of our societal norms and structures in women being able to provide surety to access finance. So if we use the same financial models and investment criteria that we've used for a hundred years to build industrialized businesses and try and apply to SMMEs and particularly women-owned, then we set them up to fail from the outset. We have to we have to come up with new models. We have to really relook at our credit policies and our risk policies and how we for women. So this takes us to policies and strategies. Um, Dr. Herbert, what policies would serve as good examples of how we should go in terms of, you know, how to go about making policies for MSMEs or that would promote the growth and development of MSMEs? And which ones, you know, would serve as, you know, not so good examples, the ones we should run away from or stay away from? Do anyone's pop in your head now? Just, just before I come to that, I just also wanted to emphasize what has just been uh, shared briefly. I mean, some years ago, World Bank had an enterprise survey, and um, the findings are literally uh, shocking as to access of finance resources. I, I agree with the speaker that said we need to remodel access to finance. The accessing of finance, especially on SMEs, that are the tools that are being that are currently in use, some of them are not really helping everybody. When the World Bank had the survey, it was found out that a limited number of SMEs, a very limited number, um, have access. In fact, they are finding it difficult to have access to, to, to finances. Um, my question probably would be at the governmental level, what are our political leaders or uh, our politicians doing as to making sure these access to resources by institutes like the World Bank and unknown are put on them on the open table that also small and medium enterprises are able to access them. And failure to do that, we, we talk of empowerment, we talk of them accessing resources, but which is known to only a few, which is not probably known to 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 everybody. I think the World Bank also has had a whole lot of we spoke about instruments, a whole lot of uh, instruments that they have developed to have uh, MSME finance and uh, they've used the data and analysis, uh, they've used the finance and risk um, risk sharing, whereby the World Bank has an active lending currently portfolio of around three plus or three plus billion, which initially supports MSE finance. But my question is still, how many are knowledgeable of these instruments? The, the data analysis where they use the surveys, um, 
in each country. They're actively involved in almost about uh, more than 100 countries in terms of supporting MSMEs. But you'll find a whole lot on the ground from Cape Town to Cairo, all over Africa, even in the Middle East. A lot of them are not aware of these instruments. Um, they also have the World Bank as one of their instruments, technical and assistance capacity building. And the question still are put back to us again, how many are knowledgeable of it? The bank in this instrument, the bank would provide advisory support, training and other services to help governments and regulatory support. That's I'm talking now as a global council member. We, we, we are saying, let us make these SMEs, MSMEs visible, access the resources because there are a whole lot of instruments from different financial institutes which are not knowledgeable on the ground to the man who has just woken up today as a drive for business. So we need to make these instruments, I've mentioned just three, uh, technical assistance and capacity building, finance and risk sharing, which I'm, I'm not sure if I am to go to some village in Nigeria or to some village in Ethiopia where there's an entrepreneur who's just starting something, are they aware of these? financial instruments, or they're only probably meant to be knowledgeable or accessible to those who probably are connected. So there is need for that balance to make sure these instruments we're talking about, which have been in existing and which I agree, some of them need to be remodeled. Are they still effective or helpful in making sure we empower these um, medium, small enterprises? Thank you, Anton. Dion. What policies would serve as good examples of how we should go in terms of you know, policy making and which ones would serve as examples of what needs to be worked on again and changed? I know you mentioned some, um, which um, Herbert just yeah. alluded to, um, but let's uh, probably name and shame and uh, name and maybe celebrate too. Right. I think that, you know, as an example, if we take a look at not only the development of SMMEs and the access to opportunity, but also whether we take a carrot versus a stick approach. So what I mean by that is if I want for the SMME market to burgeon and grow, then what incentives do I provide for SMMEs to employ? As opposed to saying that for each person they employ, they need to become more and more regulated and more and more compliant. And I'm by no means suggesting that we set aside the laws that protect people's human rights, etc. But if we said that there are tax incentives in place for SMMEs to employ more people, then d does it not further or enable what we're trying to achieve, which is to see SMMEs drive economic growth and job creation on the continent, as opposed to saying, the more people that you employ, the more that you have to report against them, the more taxes you put on their behalf, and the more administration you have, which is disincentivizing employment at that SME level. The other issue is around government procurement. On a continental level, we need to be making sure that we prioritize and set targets to buy from that SME market. So making sure that we enable the access to opportunity by saying that we proactively prioritize buying decisions and the buying power that governments hold to make sure that there's an inclusive environment for SMMEs to have access to those opportunities. And the third issue is to what extent do we incentivize, prioritize or enable SMMEs to do business with other SMMEs? Because there's power in the realization that Whilst you are dependent as a small business on your client giving you business, 
The SME that sits behind you, giving you your raw product or materials is just as reliant on you as a small business. So I think the realization that we need to stop using the notion that SMMEs are somehow less capable, are less compliant, are less driven by quality. And we need to create a sense of pride in saying, you will be certified, you will be accredited, you will provide the best quality service. You just happen to be small. That doesn't take away from the fact that you're good. And we need a fundamental mind shift in procurement people to say that buying small doesn't mean foregoing quality or timeliness or good price. And we need a fundamental shift in the SME market to say, I'm not going to apologize for my size because I'm just as capable and just as competent. And that happens often through um, a, a shift in the, in the procurement policies, in our financing policies, in our tax regime as to how we incentivize job creation from an SME development perspective. And then it comes down to every single uh, country on the African continent saying that we're going to become active activists for change. As consumers, we should make decisions to say, I want to buy small. I want to make sure I support the SMME ecosystem. I want to make sure that within my power that I'm making great buying decisions so that I can do to the SMME market what I want done to me as an SMME in that market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it becomes about positive messaging and activism as opposed to the kind of donor or developmental or beneficiary type mentality. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Ira, your when I speak May to... May I ask... Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Can I just speak to what Dion said, like double-clicking on access to market and opportunities? Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, policies around quotas for governments, both, you know, state level and local, state and federal government, giving a percentage of, you know, their, their, their budget to small businesses would be, you know, would be, would do, would do a lot for the small businesses and ensuring that policies that enable, create an enabling environment for the businesses to they have an ease of doing business is very, very important for the MSMEs. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Would you have any other examples of policies that we should encourage and policies that we should discourage? Oh, so that was why I was just making mention of like what I wanted to double click on was policies that create an enabling environment for the SMEs to thrive, ensuring that you know policies are created around a quota with government. Um, so be it local government, you know, state government, federal government, to ensure that a percentage of the budget is is, is sent on using these SMEs, be it their products, their services, whatever it may well be, to encourage them. Um, and just ensuring that they have access to market and access to opportunities as well. So access, really important. Financing, access, financing instruments. When I speak to some people in Nigeria who belong to probably government agencies where most of you know, these opportunities um, are in. You know, they talk about the fact that a lot of people don't know or that most of these financing instruments are underutilized, right? What are your thoughts about this? And I, you're, you're the MD and CEO of um, Endeavor and you guys are doing a good thing on that end. So how do we encourage more of the work that you're doing, you know, alongside giving more coverage to those financing instruments that are already available 
Okay, so, you know, I'll say getting loans is one of the challenges that, you know, faced by small MSMEs in, in Nigeria. However, there's some funds that are available and can be accessed, you know, DBN, CBN's MSME um, funds, um, Bank of Industries funds, Tolia Lumilo's fund, Lagos State Employment fund and you know the major you know the major criteria for accessing these funds is the business owner's capability to present you know a viable business plan and the entrepreneur being able to describe you know the markets that they're selling to um, and, and with regards to the challenges, you know financial barriers mainly relate to documentation I think you spoke to that already cost and the business viability and amongst um, amongst these key constraints are you know the business growth, the difficulty of accessing sufficient financing. But this is, I would say, like the reports, I would say this is actually ranked very low. But what we need to be looking at is when people are applying for these um, finances, they don't have, you know, insufficient documentation, insufficient cash flow to meet the repayment requirements, don't have viable business plans are the main reasons for rejection of accessing this finance. So then what does this, what, what does it tell me? It tells me that we need we need to then create, you know, or, or create, a, you know, like where we train capacity building for these businesses so that they are able to take on this financing. They're able to, you know, to 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 keep their books. They're able to be, you know, prepared. Even even, you know, firms like we even cited on this or we mentioned on this call that insufficient collateral is is, a, is also a problem for, you know, people. We, we, we specifically mentioned women. Insufficient collateral, you know, hinders them from accessing finance. But there are other things that are challenging for these businesses to access finance. They're not sure, you know, they're not in their books properly. They don't have, they have insufficient cash flows. And how do we educate um, the MSMEs to be able to be credit worthy, to be able to access that finance is what I would, you know, is what I'll speak to. Uh, can, can I add to that, if sure. I may? And um, I just think you, you raised such an important point. We developed an online platform for SMMEs and what it does is it allows them to go in and do a funding readiness assessment online and then kind of gives them a map of what they have to do to get ready. But I tell you where the fundamental issues lie and this is where we talk about policy environments that create an enabling environment for SMMEs to win is that if I'm a relatively big or well-established or even a medium-sized enterprise, I've got a team in my office that can put a bid or a tender together. They can get documents certified, they can liaise with the bank and make sure that any bank letters are received, they can make sure that the quality management systems and policies are written up, which are, which are tender criteria. From a financing perspective, we have to provide strong costs, we've got to put financials together. Now, for a small business, that is cost excessive. The time that it takes for an entrepreneur to do that takes away from the time that he or she is using every day to generate income. So they have to do that at night. At night, those advisors or consultants are not available to support them. And if they are, they come at significant cost. So if we were to create a policy that said, for every student coming out of university that's studying compliance, governance, law, or finance, you have to put back into the SMME ecosystem so many voluntary hours for each subject that you do or in each academic year that you do. Then you enable those SMEs to have access to quality advice and support in order to give them 
the access to the opportunities and the access to the hours and time that you can't afford until you can afford it. So if an SME could afford fancy lawyers and legal advisors and consultants and financial planners and to put forecasts together in business plans and financial plans, then they probably wouldn't be applying <laughs> finance in the first place. You know, so so this is the 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 challenge that you sit with where you you're trapped by your own environment which requires for you to spend money in order to move yourself out of that environment so access to finance in its current form is disabling and not enabling you know and there there lies the requirement for us to to have policy shifts in just in the way in which we design solutions because governments tend to design around policy and protection of human rights and you know the political agenda the reality is as smes go under in days or hours or weeks their need is immediate how do we bridge that divide so that solutions are designed for the market they're intended to support wow really interesting just um, to come through there Antonio, from what dion has been saying i i agree with all but what they said i'd like us to look at the other aspect in terms of access to resources you i give an example probably maybe of four countries who have been accessing resources that's china that's turkey um they have been supporting these i can give also an example in msc project supported and uh, afghanistan one of the things that i would like to say at this platform i think we have in Africa and developing countries policymakers who serve in government as either ministers or ministers of um, parliament, parliamentarians, but none of them, this must be important, none of them are involved in any MSME project. None of them, even after retirement, are running. And so we, we are having a situation whereby people who have no clue of what SME is all about, who are developing policies. You will find that most of our government leaders in Africa, they are people who are just there to serve. And at the same time, they don't really understand the challenges that the ordinary man is, go is going through. Just like what Dion mentioned, we are having people who don't have access. We don't have the finances to engage a lawyer to go through A, B, C, D. You talk about the BEE in South Africa and other countries in terms of black economic empowerment. What I tend to think is we need to empower everybody who's really interested in, in, in developing as an, um, as an entrepreneur, as a medium, small enterprises. China, in the, the World Bank some years ago gave China almost about 100 million for financing MSMEs. And between the time they started uh, the project, it was about 20,000 micro and small loans were disbursed to MSC clients in 40 branches that was in China. But by 20, 2010, when they realized they had almost about 60,000 actively involved from 20,000 to 60,000 actively involved SME. China is an example in terms of uh, growing MSMEs, and uh, which we have not been looking at. In Turkey, the World Bank also had a project of about 1.7 billion in export finance immediation loans access. And if you look at how these loans were accessed by the ordinary man who's passionate about starting business, maybe lacks the skills to document, but they got help in terms of documenting. But when it happens in Africa, it's a privilege of who are you connected to as one of the things of access to resources. Who are you connected to in the corridors of political power? Nigeria NSME project supported 
the establishment of also a commercial microfinance industry and 5.7 million from the World Bank assistance, which resulted in four successful, I don't know how accurate that could be, microfinance institutions that mobilized over 30 million in equity. So if we look at all these, Afghanistan is an example when they also had the finance, microfinance poverty reduction, uh, project which was catalyzed, which catalyzed the development of the finance sector in Afghanistan. How much was plowed in? Almost a total of years, 184 million from the World Bank. So the World Bank has been actively involved, not in these countries only, in African countries, in Asian countries. But my question is, the access we are talking about is it everybody on the street in these countries accessing these resources from the World Bank? Over to you, Anton. Mm. Okay, thank you, um, Herbert. So I'm thinking, right? We've been talking access um, to finance. We've been talking policy making and all of that. And just this week, two banks, Echo Bank and um, a bank in Kenya, signed up to the payment system. And the Africa Continental Free Trade Area Agreement is upon us. But I'm thinking, yes, we have the opportunity, you know, that is now continental. Do SMEs have a place in the AFCFTA and how long will it take before we actually actualize the major aim of Africans doing business with Africa? Staying with you, Dr. Herbert. I think it's a bit tricky. Just as you, you're talking about the recent signings, you said Kenya and, and Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think what we need to do, look at as 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 a, as a continent or as MSEs is... Uh, are we doing enough? I'm not talking of the SME now. I'm, I'm talking of people who have platforms to make the voices of the SMEs or MSMEs be heard. Do we have the platform to champion? I think recently, a couple of days ago, they were meeting in Namibia concerning around where, where they had an agreement. African leaders, they said in one of the resolutions passed through the meeting, I think it ended this past week, they said all African countries are not going to be buying secondhand clothes with the hope of promoting our own manufacturers of, of clothing or tailoring. But my question, my question is, when these, Anthony, when these decisions, agreements are made, how binding are they? Who enforces these decisions to be binding? Because it's another thing for you and me, Anthony and John and Iraya, we sit and we make an agreement. The enforcing aspect of it, the, the accountability aspect of that, we signed this um, for the benefit of our MSMEs in the continent or in the world, who then is going to be enforcing to making sure these things are happening? As much as we have a whole lot of these agreements, my my concern is entirely in making sure these agreements have to be enforced. Because when we sit in a table and agree to say, I mean, this is good for the MSME, MSMEs, and this is good for small, medium enterprise, wherever they are, and we are going to come up with a policy and an agreement, how then are they enforced to make sure we, we begin to see the fruits of these agreements? than just to document. I mean, there's a whole lot of agreements that have been signed in terms of trade. Just the recent one they did in Namibia. A whole lot of them signed, but a whole lot of them have not been practically lived as per the agreement. And I think it's unfair. It's unfair for our political leaders and the captains of industry to come into a meeting and agree on agreements, and more so 
some of the leaders in the MSMEs or SMEs are not invited to share in their consensus around implementation and making sure these binding decisions politically made are enforced. So, so as we as we slowly wind down this discussion, um, Dion, I want you to speak to MSMEs on the kind of business models of the future that we should be considering or looking at. Sure, that's a big question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess if I were to give advice to anybody who is in business today or looking to get into business. I think the biggest thing that we have to do is stop comparing ourselves to the business, the small business next door. You know, I do think sometimes we get captured by where we are right now, as opposed to the incredible opportunity that sits ahead of us. And when we read about big business having to think about a digitized future, when we read about the difference in the market that AI will make in how we interact with our consumers, there really is an opportunity better than ever for small businesses to leapfrog their big counterparts because turning around the Titanic is very different to being able to simply step out of your paddle boat, turn it around and head back in the right direction. And I think that if there's any advice I would give to small business, it would be buy more from other small businesses. So support small businesses in the way that you would want to be supported. Make sure that you collaborate, become part of a bigger conversation to lift your heads up and keep your eyes open to the opportunity that's out there. And, and, and lastly, make sure that you invest in yourself. Really make sure that you take the time to understand what advantage you have over big business, what the hole you can fill, um, what gap you can see and, and capture because agility is your advantage. The ability to move swiftly is your advantage. And my, I would urge small businesses, stick to your advantages um, and make sure that you, you leverage them. Thank you very much. Iriayo, two questions, actually. First is, what should we do to create more decent work? Because this ties to, you know, the SDG about creating decent work for everyone. MSM is creating a lot of jobs. In fact, most of the jobs on the continent are tied to MSMEs. So it means we can actually, through MSMEs, create decent work, right? How do you think we should go about this? And then your advice to MSMEs and entrepreneurs. Uh, okay. If I start off with, um, you know, the, if I just make add, add to what um, Dion had said, we need to be aware, or SMEs and MSMEs need to be aware that we're now in a world that emphasizes on access to information access to expertise, access to leadership, and constantly craving to be informed. So MSMEs need to be looking at the first product of, you know, of your company must be media. You need to be able to put out what you like. And this is talking about the business model is you need to put out your content or what your product is to your customers and you need to do it very well know what your value proposition is know what your niche is and be nimble enough or be willing enough to innovate as and when it's required now speaking to decent work and how can we create more again i'll say advocating and you know awareness of what decent work is do smes know what decent work is i think the more you advocate for this and making sure that you know smes and msmes are aware that need to be creating decent home and decent work for you know for the economy 
the more likely we're going to be able to do that. And then having policies in place, like in Nigeria, where, where they're reviewing, you know, the, the, the minimum wage and, and, you know, and things like that. And we also have to be aware with the pandemic taking place, there are other elements, in, you know, like there are different dimensions to what decent work looks like. You know, no one wants to work the conventional nine to five, five days a week anymore. What can we do to 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 innovate with the times and how can we provide this for for workers in in, in the ecosystem? And um, I, I missed the last question you mentioned. There were three things you, you, you threw at me and I've just answered two. Yeah. Just, you just, speak to MSMEs. Oh, just speak to them generally. I think everything I've said is literally what I would want to say. Um, be, you know, be very conscious of the environment. Um, the, the, the ecosystem you're working in would be nimble enough to change and innovate as and when you want to be. Um, Dion mentioned AI. You know, we're talking about you know the digital economy as well. Um, when the pandemic took place, the, a lot you know SMEs in general, businesses in general um, suffered. But those that were you know in technology inclusive didn't suffer as much as those that weren't. So you need to move with the times. Don't be left behind, is what I would say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Herbert, um, one word to MSMEs this time. Speak to MSMEs. Okay. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Maybe before I speak to SMEs, let me just collectively say this uh, from Global Council of the Promotion of International Trade. Our emphasis is to make sure people have access to resources, the visibility, the networking, the collaboration, because and MSMEs as entrepreneurs. One of the things that is more important is the ability to, to network with people. Um, resilience, we already have a whole lot of resilience in the MSMEs and entrepreneurs world, but you need to be visible, you need to network, you need to partner um, with many people and many groups on many platforms that will enable you to access some of the resources you probably think are not available. It's because you probably want to remain in your own world. You are more effective collectively as a team than an individual. SMEs should learn how important it is to reaching out. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong for an SME, an MSME or an entrepreneur to reach out to say, hey, look, you have strength in this. Let's partner. I grow in this area so that we become better. Because in this time, you can't be effective just as a loner. You need to learn to partner with others and grow big. I mean, as Global Council um, for the Promotion of International Trade, we have different platforms that people, I believe, should learn to network and platform Global Women in Business and Leadership Summits, um, cross-border trade and investment for Indian business. We have a whole lot of this to cater for the needs of different SME and MSMEs and entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Anton. Okay, thank you very much. And I wanted to do this round, but I think um, Dr. Herbert read my script beforehand. Um, Irayo, <laughs> Irayo tell, tell us a bit about what Endeavor does and how, you know, the impact it creates, you know, for growth and development on the continent. Um, although I know you're leading the team here in Nigeria. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, so Endeavor is, uh, we're a leading global community of by and for high impact entrepreneurs. And when we say high impact entrepreneurs, we know that these high impact entrepreneurs are the ones that are going to make the change in the economies. Our core belief is that high entrepreneurs transform economies. Um, and these high impact entrepreneurs that are in our network are those who dream big, they scale fast and they pay it forward. And what we actually do is we create a multiplier effect by inspiring the growth, the high impact 
the high growth entrepreneurs to dream bigger by supporting and investing in them to scale faster and providing them a platform to pay it forward for the up and coming entrepreneurs. And we do this because we believe to build, we want to build a and thriving entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial ecosystem, emerging and undeserved markets around the world. And we're currently in 42 regions across the world. And these are developing, you know, markets as like the emerging markets and the undeserved markets around the world. Thank you so much for that. Okay, thank you. Now, we would play a very short game. We usually do this, by the way. And yes, I didn't mention it to you before we came in live because I wanted it to be that way. So we would just go around. I'll start with Dion, then Herbert, and Iriayo, finally or lastly. Dion, are we good? I'm good. Okay. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. All the best, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> okay Dion if you're going to delete every you know application from your phone right and leave just three what three apps would be left uh whatsapp definitely and LinkedIn because I live on LinkedIn um and it's a great source of information for me and probably Facebook because I know Facebook is outdated but it is the connection I have to my children who live all over the world and to my friends and family so it keeps me grounded and keeps me connected and 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 keeps me in touch for that human balance mm, beautiful Dr Herbert if you would pick three smileys I don't know if you use smile do you use smileys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Smileys are the same as emojis. What yes, is it? yes, emojis, yes. emojis, smiley. Yeah. Do you do you do that? Do you do that stuff? I, yeah, yeah, I do that. Okay, which <laughs> which <laughs> which which three would be you know the ones that kind of represent how you always feel? Like you always use these three. Which three would that be? Wow! Wow! <laughs> I think one I always use is the, the hands folded in a prayer aspect. I'm a firm believer that everything I need, God guides and leads. I, I'm, I'm rooted in, in, in Christian teachings and I, I, I believe in Christian values. Uh, so that's one of them that is always frequently used. The other one is, I think I always put them, the images with a hand that says, I mean, good i mean because i i always want to appreciate um good conversations that's that's me um i, I like good conversations um the other one that i always i would rather keep is the one clapping their hands appreciating or being grateful i think there's always everything to be grateful in life i mean gratitude is 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 a mark of humility of everything that we get in life we have to learn to be grateful we learn to be thankful to God. I think those three, yeah, they stand out. Beautiful. So the prayer and the thumbs up and, you know, the, you know, clap and applause, yeah? Okay. And finally to Iriayo, if you would have access to just three devices, three devices, any three at all, only three devices for the remaining part of your life, kind of, what three devices would it be? And I'm talking any kind of electronic device, anything at all, just three. Electronic, 
Um, I'll say my my mobile phone. <laughs> I'd need that. I'll say would a treadmill fall into that? Because I'll need a treadmill. <laughs> and then my laptop. <laughs> Perfect. I I think I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Thank you very much for um, joining in lending your voice to this conversation. I really, really appreciate. I've been speaking to Iria Yomide Oladunjoye. She is the Managing Director and CEO at Endeavor in Nigeria. And she previously led Startups Units, Lagos Innovates. That's the Lagos State Employment Trust Fund, LSETF. Um, thank you very much, Iriayo, for the time. Thank you. And also, Dion Malherbe. I hope I said it right the second time. I hope I got you it. You did. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dion, thank you for your time. Dion is the Honorary Director General um, on the African continent for the Global Council for the Promotion of International Trade. And she's also the founder and CEO of um, Siaka Consulting. Thank you very much, Dion, for your time. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. And coach and Dr. Herbert Ntol is the Honorary Director General on the continent of Africa for Global Alliance for Sustainable Media and Publishing, which is promoted by the Global Council for the Promotion of International Trade. He's also the chairman and founder of the Africa Entrepreneurs Networks. Thank you very much, um, Dr. Herbert, for your time today. Um, Anthony, thank you. Can I make a quick statement? I will also be inviting you in the media fraternity. We as Global Council for the Promotion of International Trade, uh, the first three months of the year, next year, I'll be getting in touch with you. We are going to be having a huge conference on sustainable and media publishing conference between Livingstone and Vic Falls in Zimbabwe and Zambia. I will be getting back to you and also to everybody who's listening. Thank you so much. Beautiful. You have uh, made the invite public. Oh, good. I got you. Um, thank you very much for the invite. I'm really looking forward to us talking afterwards. So, recognizing the need to focus on the importance of micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises in achieving the sustainable development goals, in particular the ones you know where we're promoting innovation, creativity, and decent work for all, is you know just important and. Recognizing also the importance of you know, formalization, participation and growth of MSMEs in international, regional and national markets, including through access for all to you know, capacity building, like we've mentioned here, financial services and instruments, like we've mentioned here, is also really important. But what is much more important is for us to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Today, celebrate an MSME around you. Today, support an MSME around you. Today, buy from an MSME around you and talk about MSME on WhatsApp, on IG, Instagram, Twitter, and to the max, the person who is actually sitting close to you. Thank you very much for this. And let it not stop here, you know, let it continue every day and let it be a habit that we'll form to ensure that this growth that we want, that we need, on the continent actually happens through us. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.